Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say that he's on a journey. It's the journey, and here's your host, David Hackett. Hi everyone, another journey, and despite the technical difficulties, so if we do have technical difficulties when this is recorded, we do apologise in advance. But we do have a certified psychotherapist and certified transformative coach that has gone through the full journey from childhood trauma to addictions and mental health problems to jails and psychiatric care to trial step recovery and becoming a professional alpha numbers. His story is painful and eye-opening during how this system pathologizes normal human response to tragic life circumstances and also showing how very easy is a way out for everyone. Today, we welcome Jason Shears to the journey. Hi, David. Hi. Now, that bio fair, that's a good journey. That's what's attracted me to interviewing you today. So let's start. And I know it sounds corny, and I've said it in a few of my podcasts now. We start with your journey as it began. And yes, the journey began, begins when you was born. Yeah. But what's your earliest memory possible? Yeah. I don't know if it was just such strongly imprinted in my mind or whether it really was my first memory but i can't remember anything prior no matter how much i try and think about it to my dad being killed and the police showing up at the door um and i answered the door that day so the two police officers a man and a woman stood there with their hats under their arms asking for my mum. and i was five years old then um And that's kind of the one that's, well, it's such an an impactful memory, you know, it's kind of like and vivid, it's very powerfully etched in my mind. And it seems like that is my, was my, I mean, it seems ironic that that's the first memory, but um, possibly it is, you know, I just don't seem to remember anything prior to that. And maybe just just because it was such a big thing. Um, But yeah, that was my first memory. And I guess that was the start of all the all the chaos, you know, where everything, the the journey, so to speak, as you call it, you know, like obviously begins at birth. But to me, the journey where life took over and sort of took its course, you know, it's like, because you can't really, you can never really know what's going to happen in life. And um, I guess in an idealistic world, you know, you get born into a family, you live a happily ever after, and then you die having had a good life, you know, if that's even that's even true for anyone i've no idea but like you know you just have no you're not given any preparation for these tragedies you know or experiences so from there on in it was like uh learning to cope you know learning to cope with a tragedy with loss with um being a child left alone really you know like to to work it out you know it's kind of like and and when i asked you before about the best episodes you mentioned love you know and and i think that you know in in we can put all sorts of 
um, psychological and spiritual theories, you know, over the top of experience, you know, what it means, what happened, how people learn to cope and all those things. But the bottom line is, is that your heart closes, you know, and, and the love in your heart is in a way you're cut off from it. You know, that's, that was my experience, you know, it was like, and, um, I learned to protect my heart because it really wasn't safe to love because people you love, they left you, you know, that's the innocent, uh, unconscious decision that I made as a child, you know, and then I spent the, the next, the next 20 years, you know, um, you could call it professionally escaping myself. You know, it's kind of like, I learned every way possible to escape myself, um, in food, for many years at first, you know, there was lots of arguments about food because I used to steal and hoard food and compulsively eat myself to, to, uh, till I gained masses of weight. And then as I got older and I was able to go out alone, I got into crime and uh, chaos, you know, just causing chaos. I was one of those uh, children that should have had an ASBO should there have been such a thing at the time. You know, it's kind of like, uh, cause I just, damaged everything and gave people abuse and caused trouble because I just, you know, I was just in my escaping, constant escaping place. And then when I found drugs as a, as a very young teenager, perhaps 13 years old, um, you know, drugs just seemed the natural evolution of my experience, my progression. You know, it was like that as I took drugs, um, it was easy to, find money because I'd already been committing crime before I ever took drugs. So like, it just seemed natural to commit more crime, to get money, to take drugs, you know? So I was well on the, the journey to destruction and um, devastation from an early teenager. And it's not cause you know, none of this was lack of intelligence or anything. It was just a complete escapism, you know, no, nothing surpasses that, you know, in the human experience of like, our inability to cope with our internal experience, you know, and, and that is byproduct of our conditioning, whatever happens to us, whether we're brought up in adversity, in violence, in abuse, whether we suffer tragic loss, or, you know, whatever, whatever that adversity or struggle is, you know, we, as we, it's intelligent, the system that we live in, the mind body system is intelligent. So it finds a way to cope in whatever circumstances. And sometimes that way, that we learn to cope becomes our big, our biggest problem in adult relationships, you know, in adult life. So that was kind of what I did, you know, I found a way to cope and that did become my darkness. It became my shadow, you know, my, my place of escape. So I took drugs as a way to cope with my experience. Drugs were never the problem. They were only ever the solution. You know, they were the solution to my internal world, which was devastated, was, devastated since I was five years old, you know, it was that that's all there was for me, you know, it was like, almost like I had been born into this shitty life that I really had um, no choice about, you know, I was a victim of, you know, it's kind of like being born into this experience where everything just seemed shit. And I just wanted to escape from it. I didn't want to live, to be honest. Mm. Um, uh, and well, I know, for, you know, you're talking about escapism. It's a way of living your life without realizing it's real life. You live in the alternative life where you feel like the drugs help you get through the day, I assume. Yeah. 
Absolutely that, you know, that's, that's how it felt. I mean, it was like, it was almost like, I mean, at some point it definitely became that drugs actually just helped me be normal, whatever my normal was back then. You know, it was like without the drugs, it was a, a physical, you know, dependence, but like also a mental obsession and um, physical compulsion as well, you know, like to take more drugs. So it's like I had to take drugs just to just to be able to be not whatever, you know, whatever my definition of normal was back then. So it was and, and the habitual, the growth of habitual patterns, you know, just happens like that. Anyway, you, you find something that makes your internal world better. And it's like, oh, you know, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. You know, my whole life had been from when my dad had been killed, my first thoughts, to when my cognitive and rational development had happened, seven or eight years old, and I started thinking and becoming a victim, to my emotions developing full of darkness and shadow. You know, it's kind of like to finding drugs, which then coped with everything, you know, because the thoughts went quiet, the feelings went quiet. You know, I got to eventually escape myself, which is what I'd been trying to do since I'd started thinking. Um, so why was I not going to take more drugs? Of course, that's what I was going to do because it was the only thing that ever made me feel quiet inside, you know? Had less shitty in yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was, it was the ultimate answer to all problems in one, you know, one moment it happened and that was it. You know, there was from that one moment of taking heroin, there was no going back. You know, it was like, that was it. I was going to keep doing it. Mm -hmm. So going into your late teens and all you say it says about um addictions which we talked about and mental health was the mental health do you think that due to the drugs or was it just the accumulation of every anxiety that you bottled up when your dad died yeah i i i like to define mental health first before i talk about it to me mental health is not talked about in any of the um any of the psychiatric understandings, what they talk about is mental illness, you know, and I like to differentiate between mental health and mental illness because they call it mental health, but actually it's the diagnosis and definition of mental illness. You know, it's kind of like, and that's to me, that's completely different to mental health. You know, mental health to me, as I define it is, um, is a place inside of us that's always okay, that cannot be damaged, cannot be taken away from us, you know? And, and um, I, I really have struggled with the system. What I wrote in my bio about normal human response to adversity being pathologized, you know, turned into a problem that needs a solution. Uh, and I think in some ways the system um, perpetuates you know, the actual problem is it actually further creates or, or solidifies the idea of a problem that needs a solution. And there's no real looking at um, normal human response to tragedy, for example, in my case, you know, it's kind of like just trying to cope with internal experience. So, so I mean, I was first given a mental health diagnosis, a mental illness, you know, like um, depression, when I was nine years old, and I was put on medication. That was when it started, you know, but it continued right the way through. I, I don't differentiate between the two things because mental illness and addiction is just a normal human response to adversity. You know, mm -hmm. it is like if we're having a, 
we're in a state of chronic overthinking, you know, and escapism. It's kind of like then perhaps we, we could go to any psychiatrist and come up with a diagnosis for something. Could be, depending on how your body responds, could be anxiety disorder, could be depression, you know, it's kind of like, and, 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 and later in life, any of the personality disorders start showing up as a, all as a way of coping. Those behaviors are just coping mechanisms with internal experience. So I, I like to, in a way, share my experience of working in that world and kind of being a client, so to speak, in that world for many years too, but like seeing how I see it today, you know, and how I, how I work with people today and how I help people see what's right with them rather than what's wrong with them, you know, so I, I, I like to, that's why I like to define the difference, you know. Yeah, and I know when I was first diagnosed with a mental health problem, I was 15. Yeah. Now, I wasn't diagnosed on principle because they thought something was wrong. They had to assess me because they wanted to see why I was being the way I was because I was in a lot of trouble when I was younger. But yeah. they wanted to diagnose me because they wanted to see if what I was doing was a mental illness or just, you know, disorder, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I've been the class as depressed and anxious ever since because of that early diagnosis. Now I have antidepressants. I meant to keep on top of them, but and I feel, yeah, I keep on top of it. But in recent years, I feel like I don't want to take them. And that's ultimately what some people say that will only make you worse if you don't take them. So I don't know if it's good or it's bad. So I just have to take them just to keep the good and to stop people saying, yeah, you're doing good. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the doctors was going to say that to you. They're invested in you sticking to the medication. And I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't advise people on medication. But like, if you feel instinctively like you want to change something, then you should speak to your medical professional mm. and kind of follow a follow a, a guided route to weaning yourself off them. You know, but I I, I see the mental illnesses. It's a it's a it's a definition of where you are at at the time. It's not a definition of who you are. I like to make that distinction, you know, it's kind of like some people at some point in their life, medication is helpful, you know, it's kind of like they're going through something so difficult, so much of a struggle, they feel so much pain, life feels too challenging, you know, then taking medication just gets you through that little thing. It, it is a description, the psychiatric diagnosis in my mind, it's a description of where you are at at that time. It's not a description of who you are. You know, and I think that's where the mistake is, making, is made quite often that people take it as a description of who they are. It's not who mm. they are. And know? I know, and I know for myself, that was how I was then. It's not yeah. me. It's not me now because I wouldn't be doing this sort of thing. That's yeah. how I see it. And that's why I like reaching out to people because everyone has a unique journey. Yes. And that's what, like I said, that's what I like about your journey because you've been through every life possibility that anyone would say that's a journey yeah yeah so it goes into saying about jail and psychiatric care yeah. now that were two different full thing games obviously same similar situation in prison and psychiatric care you are ultimately locked up you can't go anywhere unless you're supervised yeah. How, how did you feel for your perspective on these journeys? How did it affect you? 
they just felt like endurance tests, you know, I guess, for want of a better term. I mean, jail was more frightening, you know, and um, violent and kind of stuff where, you know, you were witness to violent episodes every day. And it was really like a, something that you had to just find a way to get through, you know, in a way, in my mind, it's almost like being at war, you know, like if people identify as having PTSD, for example, because they were constantly um, on the expecting to be killed or shot at or something, you know, it's kind of like in, in jails and in the streets of addiction, you know, it's kind of like you're constantly on guard, you're constantly waiting and watching for people to take something from you or something like that, you know, or, or witness to some sort of violence or something like that. So the body, you know, again, you further learn to detach from yourself, you know, it's like from further disconnection, I mean, like sharing your heart is just not a thing, you know, it's like when you're on the streets or in jail, it's never you know, you're never going to do that. So you, you just become more robotic and kind of separated. And the same with psychiatric care, you know, in a way you're just, you're, you're in some ways, um, you know, experiencing a psychotic episode of, uh, you know, whatever it is they're describing it with. And, and you're kind of in a, in a mental state of somewhat confusion, medication, you know, it's kind of like of multiple things. And, and, um, you know, I, I was just out of control. You know, that's kind of how I was, you know, at that age. I, I, I really was, you know, suicide was optional. I was out of control. I couldn't, you know, I could, could never get enough drugs to satisfy my needs. And um, whether I was committing crime or being sectioned, you know, it's kind of like that. That was just the route that I went down. And all of it was like a one long endurance test, you know, just a way of coping. And, and really, I could see no way out at that time. It really felt like it was a endless um you know there was i guess there was some glimmer of hope you know there was i remember having the thought that do you remember you'll remember like the tv show this is your life you know where they mm. show up with a book and stuff it was kind of like one day i kind of thought maybe one day i used to always have this repeating thought or dream or daydream you know that one day someone would pull up in a car and go this is your life you know it's kind of like and and uh and hand me a bag of money and a house and a normal life you know it's, that's what it was because like i lived on the streets or in a homeless shelter or uh in somebody's car or on somebody's sofa it's like that's how i lived you know or in jail one, one or the other so it was like a bad dream in a way you know like going through the whole thing yeah and the reality is this is your life and defining it at that time it would be cloudy it would be black because you always would think there's no way out now yeah. there is but at the time you could only see it as a far 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 pinpoint i would imagine yeah it didn't feel very hopeful, to be honest. I don't even know if I had. I mean, I must have had some glimmer of hope, otherwise I probably would have committed suicide. But, um, you know, I went to rehab in the end. You know, I I lived in a homeless shelter. I mean, that's where I was when I moved to rehab. I lived in a homeless shelter, funnily enough, where no one who had drugs or alcohol problems was allowed, but everyone in there had drug or alcohol problems, you know. It's quite it's the only people that end up in a homeless shelter usually, really. <laughs> and um so I ended up I went from there into rehabilitation, you know, like um I would have done anything because I was so desperate not to continue living the life that I had. And um 
and I and I went started going to twelve step meetings because they just told me that I had this unexplainable condition or phenomena or disease as they described it called addiction that no one could explain to me but like I must have it because of the way that I lived and um, I needed to um, do these certain practices you know in order to be okay I needed to stay in the rehab for a certain amount of time and go through all this psychological um, learning you know about myself and uh, then I needed to go to 12 steps for the rest of my life every day or every other day and um, you know then I would be okay you know and that's what I believed you know and it was like and I stayed in 12 steps for 22 years you know from from that rehabilitation center which was in 1994 um, and you know I, I guess my internal world got worse you know it's like I got better on the outside I mean I'm ever grateful for 12 steps my external world got so much better I started businesses I've got two children you know it's kind of like loads of things happened you know my life kind of developed in what you might call somewhat of a normal external life but my internal world got worse as I took away the drugs food became my coping mechanism again and then from food I got involved in crime and uh, toxic relationships and all sorts of stuff you know going backwards and forwards again because you'd taken the drugs away because drugs were my solution they were never the problem you know it's kind of like you're taking away my coping mechanism for life then you know I was left with my own internal world to cope with so that's kind of where I was in life and that's why I started the journey to becoming a psychotherapist you know and, and because I really thought oh, I've got more problems than addiction I've got something else you know I've got mental health problems mental illness problems I've got uh, unexplainable childhood trauma I've got all these um, disorders that I'd been told over the years you know so I started going to therapy but I also started training to become a therapist and um, you know that that was a long journey that I went on for many years and um, every time I got a new I got many qualifications in the psychological fields you know in, in different areas in cognitive in psychodynamic in person-centered approaches in NLP um, you know, I had a long list of qualifications, but I never felt any happier. None of them really helped me. I mean, like, we made sense of it, and I had a framework for understanding human behavior, but none of it helped me, personally. I was still suffering. I was still struggling. Yeah, and I understand, and I'm not saying every psychologist or psychiatrist, but they always say they've got problems of their own where they want to help people because that's their way of coping. Yeah. I wanted to help people because I felt I'd been through a lot, but also um, I wanted to help myself, you know, because I'd never found peace of mind or joy or contentment. I'd experienced no joy or no happiness in my own life. Um, so I wanted to find that place of peace. Mm. And um, that's why I kept doing qualifications because I thought if I just found the right one, because life really looked like it was a, about finding what was wrong with me and fixing it. You know, that's how I saw it then. It really didn't look like anything else. And eventually I came to this place where I had a, you know, you might call it a spiritual awakening or a real, I'm not too caught with words or, an, or a realization or a, a noticing of what was already there. You know, it's kind of like where I, I woke up, I went to America for this on my travels and I met this guy and I just woke up to this 
realization that my whole life was a thought story that I'd been telling myself every single day, you know, that my life existed inside of me and not outside of me. It wasn't about getting anything from the outside to make the inside better. It was about realizing the fundamental functioning of my own mind, of how I created the perception of the outside world via my own thinking and how I, as I said at the start, closed off my own heart to love, to everything, you know, it's kind of like, and really just spent my whole life trying to protect myself with this paradoxical experience where I seeked for and longed for love, but I was frightened to death of it. You know, it's kind of, I didn't know what to do with it because of what had happened in my childhood. Mm. So going into the, you know, we talked about the past, we talked about kind of the present. How do you see things developing for the future? Um, my life feels like a beautiful adventure now you know it feels very different and I don't struggle and I have experienced a lot of joy and a lot of contentment a lot of love and a lot of connection in myself and in other people in more recent years you know the future is like what I see about it is is that my I think uh, let me let me explain this a little bit so I think that many people are fearful of the future you know mm -hmm. it's kind of like, and they they feel like they have to stockpile something you know in order to be okay later you know it's kind of like oh, they, they, they try to create the mind the the human mind tries to create certainty by doing you know if i keep doing these things and i'll keep getting this that thing that i've got and then if i keep getting this thing that i've got then i'll be okay you know it's kind of like or i have to have a certain number a completely arbitrary number that's made up in the bank to be okay. But I don't think certainty, what I've realized is that certainty doesn't come from outside of yourself. It can't come from doing anything. It can't come from any number in the bank. Certainty to me now comes from the knowing that I have the resources inside myself to respond to whatever life gives me. And that's where my certainty comes from. So I could lose my job, lose my house, lose my, lose anything and be okay. You know, it's kind of like, and I think that that is where I don't get too caught up in the future because actually the future in a way looks exciting because it's completely unknown. You know, it's kind of like, and I like to leave it that way. I, I, I have no idea what's going to happen. Who's going to show up on my, on my calendar? Who am I going to meet? What's going to happen? You know, what adventures and journeys I'm going to go on, but I know I'll be okay. And that's the good thing about it, you know, that I'm no mm -hmm. longer frightened to death you know to go out of the house because of what's going to go wrong i don't see it like that anymore yeah so because obviously people would like to get in contact how would people be best get hold of you if they want to contact you uh my website wideworldcoaching.com would be the best place to find me okay and i'll make sure i put that in the link down below when it's post edit yeah so um to summarize, what would you say to people now to build them for the future, to make them know that they are not alone? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it can be frightening, but like to go on the journey inwardly, you know, it's kind of like you can't fix, you will never, never out, outrun a bad childhood or childhood adversity or the struggles or the conditioning that you receive 
earlier in your life, you can't escape it. It will always catch up with you. It's just not even possible to escape it. So, and the most rewarding thing you can do in your life is not about things. You know, it's not about getting more money or getting more houses. They're just the things we do to try and avoid ourselves. You know, Osho, I love Osho. And he said, uh, everyone is doing the best they can to avoid themselves. And um, this best they can is they call having a good time. You know, it's kind of like, and what he's basically saying is, is that everything that we're doing out in the world, trying to acquire more, get more status, get more money, get more bigger house, better car, all these things is all in service of avoiding something inside of us, you know? So what I say to people is go on that journey inwardly, go on that journey to know who you are, to, to, to know yourself intimately, you know, it's like, because it'll catch up with you one day, you know, and it, and when it does, it's, it's not a nice experience, but the journey can be beautiful. It can be loving and it can be rewarding and you can meet so many great people. You know, it's kind of like when you go on that healing journey to know who you are, you know. Mm -hmm. Jason, thank you for sharing your journey with us today. We will make sure we put your website in, like I said, afterwards. Awesome. But carry on with the good work. Let's hope your words will help others today. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.